sorry about being so late. Uh, was this episode like 15 minutes longer than it normally is? I think it was about an hour lo- or half an hour longer than it normally is. Because <laughs> I, I definitely started watching this with like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely have plenty of time to get breakfast or something afterward. <laughs> and then I, I look up on my clock as at my phone. I, yeah, I have a clock in my living room. No, I look at my phone as Frolic <laughs> is playing, and it's 10 minutes after we're supposed to start recording. I'm like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too the second it started up. 58 minutes. It's a 58-minute episode. I, it, uh, I wish I would have thought of that uh, last night. <laughs> Did I yeah. sure didn't. Who knew? I mean, I'm just lucky that I, I watch the night before because sometimes I will, you know, if it happens to be it just, you know, time escapes me. I will wake up early before anybody else wakes up and and watch the episode in the morning. But last night yeah. I, I started it up and and oh, I was like, God. oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's why I remembered this season having more of a storyline like the one we're going to talk about not to jump too far ahead but you know just from last week i'm like i remember this season being so different and so much in new york and blah 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 and we at least get an hour of new york yeah <laughs> we, we we get a we get a good bit of it that's for sure <laughs> well should we just get going since it seems like we're already kind of going yeah yeah all right as well <laughs> welcome to no hugging no learning it's a show about one thing watching curb your enthusiasm for the first time and yes today we will be talking about season four episode 10 the season four hour-long super-sized finale (laughs) opening night but before that what is the deal with stuff from our last episode the survivor we really only had one little bit of homework and that was what is the deal with the myth of hasidic jewish sheet sex And I found a a couple of very helpful sites about this myth, which it is, which uh, Gina Gershon, Anna, uh, the character in the episode, let Larry know. Um, And it's kind of interesting that as a lifelong Jewish person, he and Jeff and Susie, for that matter, everybody thought this was a real thing. You figure it'd be something that at least, like, I don't know what the other sect of Judaism is called that Larry and, you know, is is Hasidic, I know I'm asking a fellow wasp, is Hasidic the same as (laughs) Orthodox or is Larry an Orthodox Uh, Jew and... um, I don't know. I can do a quick Google. (laughs) It might be worth it. I don't know. Orthodox versus... Is Hasidic and Orthodox the same? The The Hasidim are, first of all, Orthodox Jews. They believe that the Torah, the five books of Moses, is the literal word of God, and that carrying out this word is what gives meaning and purpose to life. Mm -hmm. So so it's like a, not all, uh, Hasidic Jews are Orthodox, but probably not all Orthodox Jews are Hasidic. Yeah, that sound like uh, it's probably this, true? Yeah, this this article says uh, Hasidic Jews are a sect slash movement within Orthodox uh-huh. Judaism. Okay, okay. So Larry probably is an Orthodox Jew, mm-hmm. but, but he's not Hasidic. But he's not Hasidic, right. Um, okay. But it is still interesting that, that, you know, just, I don't know, I guess there's things about myths about Catholics or, or whatever, some other sect of Christianity that as a cultural Christian I am unaware of, so um, maybe it's not so surprising. But the notion that Orthodox Jews, whether out of an excessive fixation of modesty or simple prudishness, have sex through a hole in a sheet is a widespread misconception. And this website, My Jewish Learning, even said it was lampooned and promptly debunked in a famous scene from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, so it is <laughs> completely false. Not only that, but having sex in that manner might be a violation of Jewish law because the Talmud records an opinion uh, that there must be a closeness of flesh during sex. And some take it so far the other uh, direction that wearing any clothing at all, like lingerie, 
is against Jewish law during intercourse. Uh, huh. But however, however it's understood, it would certainly preclude the use of a sheet as a barrier between bodies. So where did it come from? The origins of the myth are sometimes ascribed to the tzitzit, the fringed garment worn by many observant Jewish men under their clothing. The Torah commands that any four-cornered garment must have ritual fringes attached, but since we don't commonly wear such garments any longer, the custom emerged of wearing a, uh, a little talit uh, under one's shirt in order to fulfill this commitment. The sight of such garments, which are rectangular in shape and have a large hole cut in them for the head, may have been mistaken in an earlier era for the mythic sheet with a hole through which Orthodox couples supposedly copulated. Uh, the website AISH.com said this myth probably comes from people passing through Jewish neighborhoods, uh, seeing that seat seat hanging from, you know, drying on clotheslines and stuff, and then just making up this myth about, you know, this uh, marginalized immigrant community uh, as they were walking through the, the neighborhood. So, um, and, and it's because uh, they um, are very, what's the word, uh, delicate, drying them on the clothesline was the preferred method, uh, even when dryers became readily available. So, you know, people who were not Jewish, walking through Jewish neighborhoods, seeing this thing drying, and just, you know, making up the childish myth, the juvenile myth that that's what they had sex through because they're so, uh, you know, religiously observant, you know, in public and other ways with the, you know, the head coverings and, and the twirly things that hang down from the, <laughs> the hat. You know what I mean? Uh, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't have Probably the right not. term to correct you, but it's <laughs> I know it's not things. called the twirly things it hanging down be, from the hats. It might be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that is, uh, that's all we had. As far as homework and stuff, let us now consult the book. Man, these pages are getting uh, pretty heavy on one side and pretty light on, whoops, so light on the other side <laughs> that this isn't the last of, oh no, we do get season five. Okay, that's right. It goes up to season six. So this is the last, unless I find a, an updated book, which I think the last time we looked, I did not. Um, oh man. Yeah, all righty. So in this episode, it took We're have more. To start doing our own like book homework. I know, I know, <laughs> like, and our our own like super in depth like trivia and tidbits. I'm hoping that people started filling in the blanks on like IMDb and Wikipedia pages and stuff like that. But I'm I'm guessing it not. But we'll see. Hopefully, <laughs> um, in this episode, it took more time, around 20 hours, to edit the scene at the dinner table in which Solly and Colby get into a fight than it did to edit any other scene in the series. Oh my wow. god. What? <laughs> I know. Oh, okay, pardon me, because I don't even remember what happened in the scene that it took so long to edit. I know. That's the scene where <laughs> Solly and Colby are arguing about who had it worse, Holocaust survivors or oh, Australian okay. survivors, and Larry Jesus ends up getting uh, gravy splashed on him. Um <laughs> Yeah, 20 hours. And we've seen some pretty cinematic scenes. We always point out when we see something very cinematic on, on Curb Your Enthusiasm because it's kind of yeah. a, a run and gun shot series, it seems like. But 20 hours? Why? <laughs> ridiculous. I want to oh see God. the documentary about editing this scene. <laughs> there's a there's an hour-long documentary, at least, about this 20-hour Oh, there's, there's got to be, yeah. And it's going to be coming to HBO. <laughs> I wish. But, and by the way, in, in doing research about this previous episode, I kept calling Solly Saul, like S-A-U-L, because that's a, what, mm -hmm. my understanding, a traditionally Jewish name. And I thought yeah, Solly was no. more of like a nickname for him. Yeah, no, it's S-O-L-L-Y. <laughs> yeah, what, what's the deal with that? <laughs> Solly. Yeah. yeah, I only knew that because oh. I watched with captions on. I wonder if that's short for Solomon. Mm, it could be. That's a very good, uh, very good guess. Yeah, because I, I was. I think. 
So Solly, well, this says, so Wikipedia says Solly is a given name, nickname often of Solomon, and a surname. Okay. So there are some famous people who are named Solly, and that is their given name, like Solly Granitstein. It can also be a surname. So you, there is a chance someone can be Solly Solomon. That's true. Someone can be Solly Solomon Solly <laughs> if you really wanted to. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people who have the, the last name Solly and, and they were nick- people nicknamed Solly. Some, a lot of Major League Baseball players, as you might imagine. Um, and and <laughs> a, lot of, uh, a lot of athletes, I think most of them are, are athletes, um, famous nicknamed Sollys. But yeah, American television producer, world champion, middleweight boxer, American stage technician, and South African general <laughs> all given name Solly on their birth certificate, not... Uh, imagine being imagine being the least famous and least athletic Solly. That's <laughs> yeah. gotta suck. Yeah, people, it, it's like calling bald guys curly. Like, man, that guy is so unathletic. Let's nickname him Solly, like all those famous ball players. Yeah, N- naming uh, naming bald guys curly, naming fat guys tiny. <laughs> yes. It's it's that same it's that same thing. You, you you name the unathletic kid who always gets picked last Solly. Solly, I like it. Uh, yeah, so there we go. A little, a little extra credit there in the midst of the episode. What were they thinking? Okay, here's another thing. I kept calling Gina Gershon's character Anna because that's what I heard, and her name apparently is Hannah. Uh, since when? That's what the book says. <laughs> the captions call her Anna. Okay, I could have sworn that I wasn't making that up too. Yeah. <laughs> like every time, Larry calls her Anna. That's what I thought. So, all right, maybe the book is wrong. Maybe the book is wrong. I'm going to say the book's wrong. This is why the book doesn't exist after season six. Yeah, yeah. The, the exactly. book got canceled. Uh, so Gina Gershon said, I went wild when we were shooting and had some really rude, raunchy stuff come out of my mouth. It's like you're making some crazy chef salad and Larry will be like, okay, let's try it again, but without the ham. Okay. Yeah. A bit of a like a pun, too, because ham is like playing it up when you're, when you're acting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Cheryl Hines said, we shot the limo scene on the run, and it was really hot, and we were all crunched in the car together, so we did one take, and I spilled wine all over Larry, but then we couldn't find the wardrobe department, because they had gotten lost a few miles back, we didn't have another tie for Larry to put on, so we had to buy the tie off the limo driver. Oh my god. Crazy. (laughs) And Julie Payne, who plays Cheryl's mom, said, Larry's behavior is completely reprehensible, until you realize he's only reacting to petty offenses the way you would. If you gave yourself permission, he won't let anything go. He's every jerk, which is a great <laughs> reading of the character that I agree with 100%. Larry, you know, even Larry David himself has said that I, I you know, I don't actually act this way, but it's, I write it the way that I wish I could. Like Larry reacts the way that everyone wishes they could when they're wrong, just even slightly, but doesn't actually. But Larry actually gets to live out these fantasies, whereas we all have to just watch him live out these fantasies. So uh, that is all from the book. You may be seated. All right. Do we got any uh, any newsworthy bits or anything? Not that I saw. I didn't see anything. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I mean, we. I, I guess only news is we're coming up on the the, the end of season four. We're running out of uh, episodes of Curb pretty pretty quickly. I, I know we've got like ten or eleven seasons to watch. Yeah. Um, but you you mentioning that you're near the end of the book like really put it into perspective for me. So. I, we did this uh, about a year ago, um, but if you know what you want us to cover after we run out of Curb episodes, let us know, because uh, uh, it, it, it's it's got to be something, unless you just want us to just, uh, I don't know, fuck off and die and uh, quit doing the show. <laughs> that, that's that's a viable option as well. Yeah, or just wait until, you know, who knows, by the time we get to, what's the one they're filming now, season 12? 
Yeah. So by the, yeah. you know, we might we might cover through season twelve, but after that, so we started this <laughs> nine months ago. So in another nine months, we'll be on season eight, presumably, if the you know just doubling the time. Um, we'll be yeah, we'll be we'll be finishing season eight for yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll be finishing season eight in nine months. So, so we, yeah, we, we got, got uh, but I mean, fly, hey, better but, better yeah. to know uh, b- beforehand instead of like three weeks before. Oh, hey, we're we're pivoting to a yes dear podcast. Okay, <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally. That's all. Ted and I are just killing time until we get to yes dear. <laughs> I am just waiting until it drops on Paramount Plus. I am fucking waiting. <laughs> I am hoping and biding my time until I can watch all six seasons of Yes, Dear on Paramount+. Plus. Just you fucking wait. <laughs> all right. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 20 minutes being uh, a lot of, uh, you know, I normally say a lot of bullshit. Wasn't a lot of bullshit today. We uh, we kind of kind of got into... Uh, more research than we did bullshit, but uh, we have never seen these episodes before, despite the last, uh, or no, what am I, how do, how do I normally, we're four seasons into this, and I don't know how I fucking begin this. <laughs> okay, I've never seen these episodes before, Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years, uh, if we egregiously skip anything, if we miss anything, uh, please send us an email, or give us a tweet, at nohugging on Twitter, or no hugging, no learning show at gmail.com. Both of those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, I think. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. It really does help out the show. Tell your friends as well. That that also helps out. If you like us a little bit more than just giving us a written review or a star rating, you can join us over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging, where for five bucks a month, You can join the It's a Hyundai tier and get early access to every single episode, even when I do forget to publish it. They do (laughs) go out early on the Patreon feed before I put them up on the on the rss feed so so you can count on that they will always be early will it be a week early will it be three days early maybe it'll be five (laughs) minutes early it will always be early (laughs) uh but we also have our extended seinfeld cinematic universe movie reviews quote unquote every month (laughs) um but next one coming soon will be the extended cuts of our christmas special uh which we have not recorded yet as of as of this moment Mm -hmm. in time (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) all that being said season four episode 10 opening night original air date march 14th 2004 and if you are looking at tv guide that night you are going to see in the season four finale larry opens in the producers on broadway it's not it's not awful i mean no but i i we've gotten this for the last Four seasons. I, I always say in the season four <laughs> finale. <laughs> they just want to let you know. Yeah, we might be able to make it better though, and and keep it the same length if we ditch in the season four finale. So we'll see. I think there's something. I think there's stuff we can add to it without without wrecking it. But we'll see. We'll see at the end if we can make it better. Uh, we do open at home. Larry is packing to go to New York City. He is running lines with Cheryl and not getting them exactly <laughs> yeah, he's, right. He's still not off book, and yeah. the show opens in two days. Yeah. Like, any real-world show, any real-world, like, big-budget musical would have made a very serious audible by this point. Probably, if, yeah. If, you're, if your, like, lead actor is not off book two days before opening. Yeah, except... You know, we learned something about 
this specific production that would preclude oh, yeah. that yeah. move from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're like any normal show. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah, but this we'll, is a we'll good get into sign. That. We'll get into yeah. that. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't believe I forgot the huge twist ending of this. It, it was just so so delicious. Uh, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, and uh, you know, the the 10th anniversary present comes up because opening night is the same night as Larry and Cheryl's anniversary, and so he has until midnight that night. To make good on his 10th anniversary present, which is guilt-free sleeping with another woman. The way they get into talking about that is Cheryl asks who's going to be on the plane. And he goes, uh, well, Jeff, um, David Schwimmer, Katie Huffman. As he's, and- like, putting his jacket yeah. on, yeah. <laughs> Larry's imp- or Cheryl's impression of Larry trying to brush up. Oh, she's like, oh, Katie Huffman. Uh, uh, I don't know, Katie Huffman. She, like, does an impression even, of Larry. She even <laughs> mimics him putting yeah. the jacket on, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Larry's like, oh no, she hates my guts. I met her at Stiller's party. She she hates me. Uh, don't you know that she's not even an option for the tenth tenth anniversary present. But it is three days until their tenth anniversary uh, at LAX. Jeff uh, is meeting Larry there, and he says that Katie is also there, and she confided in Jeff that she has OCD, and Jeff told her. Larry has it too, which Jeff cracks up at. (laughs) (laughs) I love how funny he thinks that is because Larry is so upset. Why would you tell somebody like, why would you joke around like that? (laughs) That's kind that is kind of mean. Um, It's, it's pretty shitty. Yeah. (laughs) But Jeff thinks it's it's pretty awful. Yeah. (laughs) But the big change is that Katie is now super friendly with Larry now that she thinks he is afflicted with the same thing that uh, and she like even like gives Larry this big hug when she sees him. And Larry then chooses to lean into the lie and <laughs> mention. And it's sort of like that surface level OCD stuff that I think does insult people who actually have obsessive compulsive disorder. Like, oh, you know, I always have to wash my hands. It doesn't manifest in the way that like you know, people joke about like, oh, I keep my kitchen so clean. I have OCD. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you've heard people Ugh. talk about it, I forget who it was. But like I was it was this is how long ago it was. I was listening to Nerdist and somebody on Nerdist talking about o- OCD and how it was like, if I don't, you know, turn my front door lock 13 times exactly, my parents will die. And that's the thought that it, like, I know it's yeah. untrue, but my brain won't let me stop thinking that. And I just heard Howie Mandel, and more recently, Howie Mandel talking about it on Conan's podcast, a very famous OCD sufferer, and and how he's the same way, where he's like, I get in my car, and I'm like, did I turn my oven off? And he's like, I know, I didn't even turn my, I didn't even use my oven that day, but I have mm-hmm. to get out of my car, but that thought go to my will lot. not escape yeah. your brain, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so it's not just like, I have to wash my hands all the time. It's like, I have to wash my hands, or... Or a nuclear bomb will go off or something. It's like much more obtrusive than like the way that yeah. we joke about it. And, and the way that Larry is like, oh, you know, the, the counting and, and, and washing hands and stuff. <laughs> so David Schwimmer pops up and he's headed to the, uh, the lounge, the Admiral's Club, and a very antagonistic greeting with Larry. Their relationship is still not good, not in a good place. They're not, they're not friends. Um, on the plane, Larry thanks Jeff for the OCD story. Uh, because he, it set him up great with Katie Huffman and Jeff. Uh, this was this kind of harkens back to an episode of Seinfeld. Larry's like kicking back with the magazine or something, and Jeff's just kind of sitting there. And Larry's like, "What are you doing? You didn't bring anything to read?" Or he's like, "No, I just sit." He's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "I just sit on the plane. I don't read anything. I just want to sit." And he's like, "Who doesn't bring anything to read on it?" It reminds me of Putty staring off into space on the plane and Elaine getting so upset about it. It's interesting how many times Larry double dips with, "Oh, how about that." Uh, with Seinfeld 
asides and jokes and stuff like that. It, it happens a lot. It's inter- I, I just wonder if it was him the first time around or if he just thinks it's a funny concept to revisit and didn't even think that it was done on Seinfeld. David Schwimmer whispers something to the stewardess, Yvette Nicole Brown. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, she yeah, wasn't was, on my radar really before cool. Community, so I know this had to have been just like, you know, every so often these, these actors pop up that uh, we'll see what Yvette Nicole Brown was up to around this time in her career because yeah it was it was pretty awesome to see her and she did a great job playing this surly flight attendant because swimmer whispers something to her and then she comes back and tells larry to put his seat up and larry is like did did that guy tell you to come tell me to put my seat up i gotta say i don't think (laughs) swimmer did that i think the stewardess would have noticed they live for that on a plane yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's honestly I, I, I one of the first think... things I noticed when the scene opened. I was like, oh, Larry's going to have to put his seat up before the plane goes off. Before the plane takes off, Larry's going to have to put his seat up. I noticed it before it became a thing. So I know the stewardess. They have their heads on a swivel for that. But Larry still confronts David Schwimmer about it. Like, did you tell her to come back and, and tell me to put my seat up? I, I loved David Schwimmer's line here where he goes, my conversation was privileged. <laughs> I love that he called it privileged information, what he said to the, the stewardess. But David Schwimmer stops indulging Larry and stops even responding and just kind of turns around. And in uh, there's one more scene on the plane where Larry goes in to use the bathroom and turbulence begins as he's in there and he starts like just peeing all over the place. Yeah, um, and we don't get any like payoff for this. Yeah, I there thought that was, was really weird. I thought it was going to come up that he was covered in piss, but nope. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like he steps out of the limo in the next scene just smelling like piss. Or there's <laughs> yeah, piss yeah. all over him still. Yeah, or it looks I, like I, he's wearing calico cut pants. <laughs> It'd be very unfortunate if there's still piss all over him. Like like yeah. after landing at the airport, <laughs> getting to the limo, and the limo ride to the hotel. And yeah. He would definitely have to have done it again. Uh, yeah, but it smelled like piss. Why not? What's, what's stopping him? Yeah, never. But also, I guess the only bathroom he doesn't sit in are airplane bathrooms, which would have precluded all of this nonsense because <laughs> uh, he sits when he pees, except when he is. Well, except when he's a at Jeff's house, because uh, that's, that's how the true. dog was able to bite his penis. And what is going on here? Inconsistency. Very, yeah, very uh, big lack of continuity here. Yeah, I don't like it. But yeah, it, it never comes up again that it's just funny to watch Larry David piss all over an airplane bathroom, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the, I, uh, I, yeah. I, I do wish we would have gotten like some some really bad like SNL-esque, just like yellow streams like shooting <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, shooting up, yeah. Or that scene in, you ever see me, myself, and Irene? When, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like that scene. <laughs> um, so at the Regency Hotel, which is still at... 540 Park Avenue, the Lowe's Regency, New York, a five-star hotel that, when I looked it up, if you want to stay, about $500 a night for your standard Ooh. room there. Yeah. All right. Uh, but it's it's in the, you know, pretty nice neighborhood there on the uh, east side, I guess. Very close to Central Park. Uh, yeah, very nice. And Larry uh, doesn't have any bills to tip the uh, <laughs> doorman there. And the doorman's skeptical that Larry will yeah. return. Uh- <laughs> and also, Jeff and David just walk right by. I know like, that was whack. <laughs> Leaving Larry. Like, why is why, why it got to be on Larry? I know. I agree. Yeah, he could have, and he could have been like, he, he could have thrown them under the bus. Like, uh, what, those guys didn't tip you either. The famous actor David Schwimmer and uh, and uh, Jeff Green, um, they didn't tip you either. Uh, not that Jeff Green is famous, but 
Yeah, yeah. Fam- famous actor David Trimmer and big Hollywood agent Jeff yes. Green. They they were supposed to, oh, those guys were supposed to tip you. I don't have any small bills because they said I have all the small bills. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I, that's what I would have done immediately, just throwing someone else under the bus. But <laughs> the doorman's skeptical. He's like, I'll, I'll get you uh, later. And the doorman's like, okay. And Larry's like, do I sense a little skepticism there? He uh, he promises he'll return, though. And the the doorman's name, Tim. Always hey. like, uh, always like to see a fellow that's, Tim. <laughs> yeah, that's your name. Yes, and uh, so Larry goes in to the hotel, and he gives the uh, what I'm guessing is like the bell captain, or at least the downstairs <laughs> bellman, or something. He gives him twenty dollars, and he's like, "Give ten dollars to Tim." Then Larry goes upstairs to his room, and this was one of my favorite scenes of the whole episode: the bellhop over explaining how to use the door key and open the door. I love what he oh said. Oh my lord! Uh, apply gentle pressure and push. <laughs> yeah, so Jesus Christ! How to open a what door? The yeah. fuck? And like, have firmly I, I, apply I, pressure. <laughs> yeah. Have, have key cards just become a thing? <laughs> have doors just become a thing? Yeah, in 2004, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, how to use the TV? It's like uh, it's got a remote control. Uh, that's how you turn it on. Uh, channel up, channel down, volume up, yeah, volume down. I, okay, l- let me let me ask you because obviously, like uh, Larry turns to being very sarcastic with him, saying, yes. "Oh, I'm, is that is that a is that a window? Is that for is that for looking out?" And so you go I'm, over I'm there and you, the, you kind of look I'm, outside. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming the floor is for standing. Uh, <laughs> Is is this Bellman? Is this Zachary Levi? It looked he looked famous. I will say I don't. I, should we look it up right now? Uh, uh, I wonder if it's him I, here. Well, if you're Googling, I'll look in the book really quick and see if uh, okay. They usually they do have a cast list, and let's see. Um, <laughs> Let me look up his IMDb because I think this is Zachary Levi. Oh my is God! It, is it Levy? Bellman. Zachary Levi. Holy Fuck shit. Yeah. Let's fucking Holy go. shit. Pull that out of my ass. Unrecognizable <laughs> except to Ted Zachary Levi. <laughs> and and Let's I was and fucking go, I thought he baby. just I thought he just looked, you know, I thought he just looked famous. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, that looks like, you know, it just looks like a young like he probably just has the face of every famous guy, but like damn. Crazy. <laughs> you think you would think that like for how quickly I noticed Zachary Levi that I would have seen anything that he's been in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the- Tim, I didn't, I didn't watch Chuck. I know Chuck is like a highly regarded show. It's maybe, a cult classic. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll check it out someday. Uh, like I didn't watch Shazam. No. Um, I, I saw him in in uh, uh, in the Thor movies that he was in, but like he doesn't well, have what's a he in Thor. Those. Yeah, like, I don't even remember he, him. Fandral. Don't remember. Yeah, he was he was in the Dark World and he was in Ragnarok as Fandral. Um, but yeah, didn't watch Shazam. Um, I ha- I haven't watched his fucking Kurt Warner football movie. Uh, <laughs> that, that, no, I haven't watched anything that this guy's been in. The but like, only I know, thing I know, I know him is. from the only thing he's, Fl- he's Flynn Rider in Tangled. That's exactly what I was gonna say. The only thing that that I have seen him in is Tangled, and that's just his voice. And, so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. He is one. He's one of those guys, like you know, like Gina Gershon is. Um, we're like, yeah, we know her name, but I've never seen, and I re- and we recognized her, but we've never seen anything she's done. <laughs> he is. He was in Heroes, the Heroes reboot, Heroes Reborn, and I did watch oh, was that. He? So yeah, but um, be- you know what? I bet he gets mistaken. I wonder if he was, and it's it, it, maybe because he was in Heroes too. I bet he gets mistaken for uh, Zachary Quinto. 
because a they're both Zachary's. They have very similar looks. They have very like do. dark do. eyebrows and stuff like that. Like very very uh, you know features it's, it's like that. It's that thing about being a white man with like dark like brown or yeah. even black hair. Like <laughs> yeah. you're gonna look like a dozen other people. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I can't I can't see anything that I have uh, particularly <laughs> enjoyed him in besides those two those two things that I didn't even remember him from Heroes. But yeah um nailed it zachary levi damn well i guess we got to see what zachary levi was up to <laughs> this uh and, and so it's funny like because there are legit cameos in this episode and so to have zachary levi in it's Z- like zachary a posthumous and, not posthumous because yeah. he's not dead it's a whatever you and yvette nicole brown don't rule yes her out. yeah yeah totally yeah yeah it's um, it's real fun to have them yeah, yeah. just show up in the episode. I will. I'll call them posthumous cameos because I th- can't think of the actual word. I'm, retroactive Pos- cameos. There you go. Yeah. Retroactive is. cameos. Fucking um, posthumous cameos. Posthumous cameos. <laughs> they, their dead body was just laying on the street in New York. You didn't see it. Um, uh, so, yeah, um, amazing. And, and Larry's response like uh, and that's the shower and how do you use that you you, you turn the water on and, and you get in and you kind of wash and like cold's on the right <laughs> he's like all right i'll uh he's like I'll, I'll review all this later i'll try to i'll try to <laughs> i love that God uh, and damn he, it and he does have to tell the bellhop that he will also tip him tomorrow which the bellhop is incredulous about jeff calls larry and convinces him to instead of studying his lines go down and get a drink because he has got to meet some ladies to make good on this 10th anniversary gift uh, and I found it odd that Jeff's room looks pretty nice. It looks like he's on a nice big queen or king size bed. Larry has like a twin bed, maybe yeah. two, maybe two twin <laughs> beds. But I'm like, Larry, you're the star. You're first build on a Broadway show. show. Yeah. Why didn't you make them? Why didn't you spring for the king suite with like Honestly, a balcony I'm, or something? Yeah, I'm. I'm very surprised that that Larry was even in first class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he probably had to pay his own way. Yeah, that was that's really weird. So down at the bar, Larry comes upon Jeff chatting up a woman who, it turns out, is a fellatio teacher. Jesus Christ. Yeah, named Christina. And uh, they're, and Larry and Jeff are just being, uh, you know, their charming selves to this woman uh, in hopes that Larry might be able to seal the deal. Um, and I remember... When like and and old school was another big harbinger of this like fellatio teachers it became like a thing you know in the in the early two thousands <laughs> you remember the blowjob scene in old school like where Andy Dick is the fellatio teacher and that's like their bachelor party I don't actually party. I've never uh, seen old school uh, oh oh my god well we got to find somebody who's in Seinfeld all right yeah <laughs> oh we'll my... bring uh we'll bring back uh, exploration of the American sex comedy yeah Absolutely. because if anything like that was the you know like we we exited the. <laughs> The Ma- Jason made Biggs that artwork era. for one release on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We still we still have to watch Sex Drive. There's so much we still have to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, a Euro Trip, all of the above. Um, we just got so busy, you know. I know. Well, the holidays came. Us. You know, yeah. Halloween came and, and stuff like that. But but <laughs> oh, it, it's the holidays. He said in the middle of September. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but that's like that. That's sort of the we got. We need to wait to do old school at the end because that was like the beginning of the what did they call it? oh the frat pack that was the beginning of the frat pack era of Vince Vaughn and Will Ferrell and and all those guys taking over that whole uh, Owen Wilson uh, taking over that whole genre. But but I, I I would love to watch it again. Yeah, so it, it's just a very trendy thing at the time. So they go to Rosa's place Mexican restaurant, which has a 
clear as day address right on the front, 303W, which I was able to discern was 303 West 48th Street. Rosa's place has since closed. I don't know oh. when. Yeah, did not get a write-up in the Village Voice or, or anything like that, uh, unfortunately. Sometimes, you know, it's like Rosa's place, open for 90 years on, you know, <laughs> outside of, in, in Hell's Kitchen, I believe. I think it's in the Hell's Kitchen neighborhood. Yeah. Um, Be- yeah. Beloved Hell's Kitchen restaurant, comma, yeah. open for 91 years, comma, <laughs> closes due to feces in tap water yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, now it is still a Mexican restaurant called Sombrero. Yeah, Ooh. so that's still there. And it's a 20-minute drive from the Regency if they took a cab. It's like... All the way on the other side of the park, it's it's in Hell's Kitchen. It's near Times Square, and they're staying on kind of like I don't know whatever the Midtown East Side is called, uh, maybe Central Park East. I don't know uh, where what you'd call the Regency, but it's a 16 minute subway ride, so they can save a little time if they want to take the subway. But yeah, they they got their uh, so it's but it's a restaurant pretty far away from the hotel. I just I just thought that was odd. And Christina tells Larry that spicy food makes a man's cum taste delicious. Christ. Almighty. And so and the <laughs> captions even spell it C O M E. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. They didn't but, use the U. Yeah, they, they did not uh they did not spell it correctly, which <laughs> yeah. I, I thought was uh a, odd. Yeah, that is odd. But Larry then starts loading up his taco salad with hot sauce and <laughs> it's just a little too much. The scene, I was cracking up at this scene of him just like snotting and sweating and and wiping paper napkins on his head that leave little chunks of napkin like and stealing Christina's water and dry heaving like just like blowing it. Larry blowing it. Um, Pun definitely intended for the blowjob queen. Um, Like blowing. Blowjob queen? She's royalty now? (laughs) She is. She's New York's blowjob queen. I'm I'm a, I'm I'm cor- a cor- what is it I'm um what is it called when you you know make someone a queen coronating her is that right uh yeah like a coronation yeah you're I'm, you're crowning her I'm crowning her yeah I guess I'll just keep it simple this has happened a couple of times where he's like it's a done deal and then he blows it <laughs> uh you know it's happened at least three or four times already and yeah. um she's like I'm I'm sick. I can't even eat watching you like sweat and snot all over the place. So she leaves. Back at the hotel, Larry's studying his lines, but he hears next door David Schwimmer is throwing this huge, raging hotel party. And so Larry goes over to see, like, you know, just just what's going on. And and Schwimmer's like not worried about, you know, we open in a de- another, you know, in two days, and he he tries to like poke his head. And he's like, is that is that Jennifer Aniston? And Schwimmer's like <laughs> closing the door to try to like keep Larry out of the party. Meanwhile, like letting people who are showing up, he's like, oh man, you made it. Like this couple shows up and he lets them in. No problem. And someone's like, who are you talking to? And Schwimmer's like, no one, no one. Yeah, Don't I, worry. I I'll be right that back. That was hilarious. That was great. <laughs> who, are you, who are you talking to? No one. As he like, he even like closes the door a little bit more too. Yeah, yeah, he closes himself into the party. Yeah, Larry, you can't, you can't see who's in here. No, this is a, this is a who's who pre-party. Yeah, no one. I'll be right back in. And and, but he does ask Larry if he's seen his watch because he lost it at some point. The next morning, uh, maintenance is fixing Larry's thermostat, and uh, to this point, because the the AC wouldn't stop running or something like that, and so Larry, meanwhile, gets uh, his fifty three dollar breakfast delivered by room service. Eggs, pancakes, juice, and coffee with yeah. an 18% tip already yeah. included. And Larry decides to give him the extra 2% to bump it up to 20 <laughs> 
which I love the the half-hearted thank yous that Larry gets from the staff. Oh, oh, thank you, sir. The extra two oh, percent. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and in walks cousin Andy, Richard Kind. Larry was in town, so he called as he's supposed to because he didn't last time. Uh, and so I, I love that they the the sort of it's never even brought up, but. Andy starts eating Larry's breakfast, which we've already established is yeah. like each bite Andy takes is like a dollar, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, like I don't, I don't, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I think there's one sentence that Andy has in this scene where he does not have food in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. And as the maintenance guy uh, finishes up fixing, he, he sort of like sticks around saying, you know, oh, oh, you're welcome, sir. You're welcome, sir. Like sort of expecting a tip. And Larry asks. Andy was like, well, am I supposed to tip the maintenance guy too? He's like, that. he was just doing his job. Like, he didn't do anything extra. Like, that's his job is fixing stuff in the hotel. But Andy's like, oh, yeah, you got to tip. And then the maid uh, comes in and uh, sitting on top of her cart is David Schwimmer's watch. And so Larry calls David Schwimmer and leaves a message that, hey, it's Larry. I found your watch. Uh, down in the lobby, Larry sees the bellhop that, or the doorman that opened up the limo, and it turns out that other bellhop did not give him the $10. And so Larry's like, oh, man, well, I guess you better go get it from that other bellman. And and I, I loved the, he's like, so you're telling me that other bellman didn't give you the $10 that I gave him from the 20? He's like, no, that's what you're saying. I'm saying I didn't get $10 because <laughs> he won't throw his other bellman under the bus. Like, No, he won't. Because he still thinks Larry's lying, which is a good bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I like the way, like, no, that's what you're saying. <laughs> I love that line. Um, and so Larry's like, all right, I'll give you 10 bucks. Fine. I'll hook you up with $10. Yeah, it, it does lead to, surprisingly, the only stare down of this episode. Yeah. I, I figured, yeah. like, you know, season four, gotta, gotta ham it up. Get, get yeah. another one in there. Get the no? classics in. Just yeah. one? No. The doorman tells him that Sanji is upset, the maintenance guy, because you didn't tip him. And I love this line from Larry, too. He's like, is there any communication that can happen with you people without money, without a financial exchange happening? That was so good. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Larry does go over to... And the bellman, the doorman did call him Sanji, which is a name I'd never heard before. But I'm like, okay. Yeah. See, yeah. All, the, the credits, and I, I, I think I heard him say Sanjay. Yeah, the maintenance man does correct Larry, who got bad information. He's like, okay, there you go. Thank you, Sanji. And he's like, oh, it's Sanjay. Yeah, which, which is a name that I'm familiar with culturally that what the maintenance guy you know like that's a name i'd heard i never heard sanji but i'm like hey i've never heard every sikh name in the book so you that's know true. that's um, true but but it's just a weird um it's sort of like yeah i don't know i don't know how they they let that slip through but it's not a huge deal anyway but um yeah so he does go over and he and he, he he's not going to give him a monetary tip but he's like you know what i'm in the producer's I'll give you a ticket to the show. How about that? Uh, Broadway show opening <laughs> night. And so that's good enough. They're, they're even. Over at the St. James Theater, which is at 246 West 44th Street, the Broadway Theater built in 1927. It's got 1,709 seats. Uh, in case you're curious how many people are going to see Larry David opening night in the producers uh, and actually this is the theater where the producers opened april 19th 2001 and it ran oh, wow. for almost exactly uh six years closing april 22nd 2007 that's cool yeah <laughs> uh on subsequent shows there have included frozen the broadway production of frozen springsteen on broadway was at the saint james theater david burns uh, american utopia musical was at the saint james and most recently it has been the home of the broadway revival of into the woods oh okay yeah 
And Larry is there at the uh, meeting of everybody involved in the show. And before he gets in, though, he is asked to take a photo by Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Oh, my God. A young Stephen Colbert. Oh, yeah. I, I, I say young. He's probably like 35 at this point. <laughs> but and also I'm saying this is solidly cameo. Like I'm saying Stephen. I, I bet Stephen Colbert. The Colbert Report might not have been on in 04. But he was certainly like the rising star he, he was, of the Daily Show. He was show. still a Daily Show correspondent, I think, right? I, I would imagine. Yeah, I don't remember when the Colbert Report started, but it had to have been, you know, at least Col- either a yeah. Colbert Report start. started October two thousand and five, so it was oh, about okay. a year and a half away from from starting. Yeah, still. so he so. was still like a rising star on the Daily Show, I'd imagine at, at this point. Um, but but definitely recognizable, you know. And, yeah, he asks Larry to take a picture of him and his wife, and they start arguing over whether to take it horizontally or vertical. And Larry's like, if you saw it, you know, vertical looks good. I got the city in the background and all the signs and stuff. And he was like, oh, okay, well, you know, just take it horizontal, and then I can make it vertical if I want. (laughs) And Larry's like, you know, it just starts a big argument. The wife takes Larry David's side, and that begins an argument between Stephen Colbert and the woman playing his wife. And then Larry's like, hey, you know what? You guys figure this out. I'm, I'm out. And he's like, oh, oh, so now no picture? And it's at that point the wife realizes they're talking to the star of the Broadway show they're going to see. And Stephen Colbert is like, oh, I can't wait because you will fail. And he holds his hand like a wizard casting a spell on Larry David. <laughs> uh, just hilarious. And so Larry walks into the meeting. He can't find David Schwimmer's watch now. It must have, you know, he he just lost it. And so now David Swimmer's like, oh, okay, well, I, I guess you owe me a watch. And then an argument starts with everybody around the table. Basically, the camp of people who dislike Larry are on David Swimmer's side. And people like Katie Huffman and Mel Brooks are on Larry David's side. Uh, as far as, he was like, well, y- you lost your watch. It's still lost. Your position hasn't changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but everyone else is arguing that, like, you did have the watch. So the watch was not lost anymore. Until you lost it again, so now you do owe David a watch because you took possession of it, and uh, and and it starts a whole argument with everybody there that eventually they just have to squash because the uh, you know they can see the relationship between the actors playing Bialystok and Bloom is not good, and these guys have to sell their friendship on the stage like later that day, basically. I think is this opening day? No, no, next day's opening day because that song kicks off the montage. So it's it's you know tomorrow's opening day. And the relationship's still not good. Uh, but Larry, you know, as he sits down, he obsessively arranges everything on the table, definitely drawing the attention of Katie Huffman. And then Larry remembers to, like, get up and wash his hands. Uh, and when he comes and sits back sits back down, he rearranges everything into a perfect square that Mel Brooks had kind of, like, shifted around. Uh, and, and Katie sort of, like, consoles him, uh, the kindred spirit that she has now found in, in Larry David faking obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, outside... Katie Huffman's purse is snatched and Larry starts chasing the guy down. This was like, I remember this sequence, uh, you know, from the show. It stuck with me. It's such a funny gag where Larry takes off after the guy and then this hardened criminal like stops running and he turns around and looks at Larry who has stopped running like, I don't know, 20 yards away. And and then the criminal starts chasing Larry (laughs) and Larry starts running. (laughs) I I was confused by this at first and I'm like, oh, well, obviously Larry's just terrified that he's gonna get shot or stabbed <laughs> yeah, right or, or beat up or whatever yeah it's yeah. like the criminal realizes like why am i running from a 60 year old guy <laughs> like, yeah i'm a street tough <laughs> and larry also wasn't thinking like what am i gonna do if i catch him you know it's like i could have run up to him when he stopped but what's gonna happen 
you know <laughs> like, <laughs> i love that this was this was such a funny gag so now it is opening day and there we get a little bit of a montage uh, over the uh, opening number to the producers we find out later uh larry is handing out tickets to the show to everybody he's getting a yeah, pep he's talk happy. Yeah. yeah yeah he's he's looking forward to it it's he's he's getting a pep talk from nathan lane <laughs> No, I mean, I guess you could call it a pep talk, but we we cut in and he's like, "What am I doing, Nathan? I can't do this." <laughs> and like, th- doesn't Nathan Lane slap him? Yeah, I think so. He's like, "Get a hold of yourself. You can do this," or, or whatever. So, <laughs> a little bit of trying to talk Larry out of his his pre show panic. Um, but Nathan Lane, of course, the uh, Max Bialystok of the the production that I guess uh, Larry is taking over for. Uh, he has a conversation with david schwimmer he like knocks on his door he's like hey i'm, I'm going over there to the theater he's like well we have like an hour and a half like geez david like nothing like cutting it close you know <laughs> yeah. like, i mean hey maybe maybe he was saying like we have an hour and a half until call time yeah maybe that's what it is like um, we, we have an hour and a half until we need to be until over we need there. to be there yeah yeah not like an hour and a half until the show <laughs> the curtain goes up yeah <laughs> Um, but he's like, you know, I'm, I'm warming up. He's like, do you do you do any warm ups? He's like, what do you mean? Like, I don't know, like stretching. And and Larry does not do any warm ups. <laughs> and uh, he mentions the watch one more time. And also, then Larry counters with, did you tell that the stewardess about my seat uh, to put my seat up? And uh, and that's the end of the conversation with David Schwimmer. Uh, in the theater, Katie Huffman is already there, and they have uh, you know kind of a, a, a great conversation about pre show rituals and stuff and. Katie Huffman uh, invites him in for a 10th anniversary present. Somehow, yeah. she has heard about it. How did she know? Did we know I, that she knew, or it's just like I, made I have the no rounds? Idea. Yeah. I don't know why or how she knows. Did Jeff tell her? That's my guess. Yeah. That makes it's the most got, sense. That's got to be it, right? Yeah. That, <laughs> the, yeah, that, that sounds right. That Jeff is just doing everything he can so that Larry David makes good on this fantasy that Jeff, you know, that Jeff has. <laughs> But uh, Larry and uh, Larry and Katie start start making out, and Larry's super uncomfortable, only to discover that she's got a framed photo of George W. Bush in her dressing room. So hilarious! I remember this too from the episode. George a framed, and it's the only. It's not like on a a desk full of photos. It's the it's photo the only of photo. <laughs> of of George W. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> and katie huffman is a republican which kills the mood larry has blown it once again uh and i love in the next scene jeff you know larry has told jeff and jeff says i'd fuck her with a bush mask on yeah my god <laughs> and i was thinking i was like do you think he meant if she had one or if he had one on and i was like i don't think it matters i think it's i don't I think yeah, it's funny I to think, think about either way, either way. <laughs> yeah. or or maybe both yeah, maybe both. We're both wearing bush masks. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was absolutely uh, just a hilarious response to that. Um, he, Larry can't even sleep with a, a hot Republican. <laughs> but Larry has to go to will call because uh, in co- like Larry's already he's costume, ready for the yeah. stage. He's in costume, ready to it's go. It's like 20 minutes until curtain, I think. Yeah, and Andy calls and the ticket's not at will call. Yeah, he's and like, so- oh, can, can you just come down here? I'm <laughs> yeah. like, no, motherfucker. Yeah, and so Larry I'm goes... I'm in the show. <laughs> so he does go to the lobby, and and people still get mad at him for jumping the line <laughs> to get Andy's ticket. He's like, I'm in the show. 
And the guy's like, who cares? Get in line. <laughs> uh, and Sanjay is there, and he got his ticket. He's all ready for the show. And he's wearing David Schwimmer's watch, and he won't give which, it back because finders yeah, keepers. Which I want to know, now that we've gotten to this point, at what point would Sanjay have had a chance to grab the watch? Because he's in fixing Larry's air conditioning, yeah. leaves, and then Larry discovers that the housekeeper has uh, David Schwimmer's watch on yeah. her cart. Sanjay that, is not in the room again. Well, so that was the next day. Because Schwimmer tells him about it at night. He's throwing that big party. Yeah. The next morning, he finds the watch. And then he has it in his possession until... And this, and then this is another day. This is opening day. So he lost it somewhere in between grabbing it from the cart and showing up at the St. James Theater. Somewhere yeah, he dropped we, it in the hotel. Uh, yeah. Other other than Larry giving Sanjay the ticket, we don't see Larry and Sanjay interact, though. I'm but getting, they don't, did he just... He, did he just drop it out of his pocket? That's my guess, yeah. That it okay, just fell out of okay. his pocket onto the floor or see, something. I, see, I was thinking yeah. with uh, with Sanjay saying, oh, well, I found it. Finders Keepers. That he found it in Larry's room. Oh, that would be <laughs> messed up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it just, I think it fell out somewhere in the in the hotel, in the halls or something like that. Yeah, that's, that's my uh, impression. That would be funny, though. Like, oh, I found it in your room. I took a lot of your stuff. <laughs> yeah, I robbed you. <laughs> But Sanjay won't give it back because Finders Keepers, and so they have a fight over it until Sanjay finally agrees to give Larry the watch back. And as Sanjay walks out of frame, it is revealed that Cheryl is there, and she has one of the best lines in the episode where she says, what are you doing in the lobby 20 minutes before the show fighting with a Sikh? <laughs> Just such a hilarious amalgam of words. Like It's like a Mad Lib. Larry David in the lobby 20 minutes before the show fighting with a Sikh. <laughs> Uh, and he still has, as he reminds her, an hour after the show to make good on the uh, <laughs> on the tenth anniversary gift. Uh, and, but then he sees Stephen Colbert, and he is hexed once again. Stephen Colbert yeah. doesn't even say anything; he just holds up the hex hands again just, and like points yeah. them at Larry, just like uh, almost as though he's cursing Larry. Just yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, backstage, Larry returns David Schwimmer's watch. And the two kind of bury the hatchet. You know, David Schwimmer's like, look, I was kind of out of line yelling at you. And Larry's like, no, no, I was. You know, let's just, it's it's water under the bridge. Uh, except, <laughs> I mean, did you uh, tell the stewardess to put, that I had to put my chair up? <laughs> I had to put my seat up? That's what we're kind of talking about at the beginning of the episode. Like, Larry just can't let it go. Anybody else would just, like, stew. It's like, oh, well, you know, we sort of buried the hatchet. I'm not going to bring up the seat again. But not the Larry David of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's like, he has to be satisfied that he was told on and he was right um and, and david Schwimmer just kind of laughs it off he's like are you, are you serious and uh and mel brooks comes in and wishes them luck as the overture begins and the crowd is in there it's packed i uh, stephen colbert's smug look whenever the camera is on him <laughs> he's like just like the anticipation the smug anticipation of about yeah. oh, oh i cannot wait until this <laughs> oh, guy I falls flat on his face we, we also see that uh, Sanjay is seated directly in front of Andy. <laughs> yeah, and Richard Kind's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I can't, I oh, can't no. see anything. <laughs> the show starts up, and Larry nails it. I mean, he yeah, is just like, yeah, he he's nails, killing yeah. this opening number. Oh, my gosh. The opening number and all of his lines he remembers until David Schwimmer comes on stage and he draws a blank as the 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 show yeah. hits reaches a, yeah hits a, hits a roadblock whenever david schwimmer is saying you know it's almost 
more commercial I, I forget the line yeah almost more viable to have a flop than it is to have a hit yeah and then the the, the sound effect larry gets up and then yeah just nothing in his brain <laughs> yeah, it just draws a blank, and the audience is just cringing, and including I, Jerry I, Seinfeld. I, yes! <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, but doing the exact same, like, motions and uh, facial expressions from uh, whatever episode of Seinfeld it was. Yeah, um, I want to say it was when the he Pez was dispenser. watching... I thought it was the Pez Dispenser, but Is I it the Pez Dispenser? Right. Okay. But... But I don't, yeah, Jerry, what, man, I don't even know how to look for that. Because it's like a famous gift, <laughs> but it's the exact yeah. same motion. I mean, it's it, it's such the exact he, he, same he, motion. He, yeah. like, uh, I mean, first off, he just gives, like, the yeah. kind of kind of face. But then secondly, the second time they show him, he throws his, his hands up. He's like, yeah, right, that's enough. And yeah, then, yeah. like, we, we see him, like, start to stand up. We don't see him leave. Yeah, yeah, but he's like, all right, I'm out. You know, that kind of, like, hands up, kind of, uh, I can't watch anymore. But yeah, it's the exact same motion as that famous episode of Seinfeld, whatever it is. And uh, the, I mean, the audience mouths are agape as Larry starts riffing. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just improvising. He's like, yeah. you know, I'm I'm normally a, a good shaver. I didn't yeah, get I got, a, didn't, didn't get, get a the... close shave this morning. <laughs> didn't get the, the good fuck? shave today. Yeah. Um, and D- David Schwimmer though doesn't know what to do. Like, yeah. If keeps... you if you want to be if you want to be a good actor, you got to know how to like recover stuff. Yeah, like, just, like... I, I say that as not an actor. Yeah, but I would imagine there's a prompt that he could give him, like, I what was I saying? I was saying something like, blah, blah, blah. Like, keep starting to, re, like, restart his brain or at least get to the next scene or, or whatever. Like, you figure somebody who's who was 100% off book for months now, David Schwimmer, could could do that. But but also, maybe he wants to see Larry fail. You know, he's like, wait a second. Mm. I could get a new co-ho- mm. co-ho- co-star in all of this. Co-host. Co-host. Uh, but Larry's like walk in the room. A fight breaks out between Andy and Sanjay, and then Larry begins like a stand-up routine, like completely breaking yeah. the fourth wall. <laughs> Just uh, starts doing stand-up, but it starts winning people back. Yeah how how much did you love the ADR in this scene of people coming back? It <laughs> oh oh you mean the the woman yelling? Hey wait let's go back. Yeah <laughs> yeah this is funny. <laughs> oh, and God nobody damn. is mouthing that as like. Hey, let's nope. go back. Yeah, this is funny. <laughs> Those are two of the worst reads of any ADR, even in I'm, this time I'm surprised, universe. <laughs> I'm surprised Larry didn't do that himself. Yes, yeah, Larry doing both voices, even like a man and hey, a woman. Hey, let's go like, back. Yeah, this is yeah, funny. This is funny. <laughs> uh, and, and also, like, it's not funny. He's telling jokes <laughs> really like, not. oh, if you're looking for an apartment, my cousin, who you don't know, is subletting his mouth. Like, uh, what, 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 yeah. what? I guess your your cousin has a big like, mouth. I don't. Yeah, and then he just transforms into turban humor. Yeah, yeah. He's like the turban. Uh, you can <laughs> you can use it as a scarf. Like, why is that fucking funny? Like, yeah, of course. It's a, it's a large piece of fabric. I I guess you can use it for a lot of things. Is that the bit? <laughs> like, uh, it's and, and it reminds me of like whenever there's a movie about like the best thing ever written or whatever and, and it's like they and then you hear it and you're like god you just can't you just can't live up to that you know if you're writing something and you're gonna mm-hmm. let people hear it it's like you can't it's better to just let the audience never hear that you know but we couldn't do that in the situation because he had to bring the audience back and then all of a sudden he just remembers his lines it all comes flooding back to him yeah and the show <laughs> goes on uh but one person he had walked was what looked like a very irate 
Mel Brooks. And if you're watching this, you might be thinking, oh, my God, everybody was right. And Mel Brooks is now incensed yeah, and, at his and choice. Before, yeah, before uh, we got this reveal, I was I was wondering, I'm like, what's going on? Larry's killing it. And Mel looks, like, upset. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's when he, like, really blows it that Mel walks out of the room. And we see at a bar, uh, must be a nearby bar, that Mel is so happy. He is... The, all along, he's been purposefully tanking the producers because it has been such a success. He His life has been cursed by how much success the producers has brought him. By the way, when the producers opened, it broke the record for most Tony Awards that had been held for like 37 years by Hello, Dolly. It won 12 <laughs> Tonys. Holy shit. In one, yeah. and uh, in, one, in one show? In, in one, one show, ceremony? yeah. One award Damn. ceremony. And um, did you recognize the woman that uh, Mel Brooks is sitting with? I thought I did, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, is. oh, I'm like, she I'm, must I'm assuming be... she's playing his wife, right? That's Anne Bancroft, which again is a name of an actress that like I'm I know. Like, do you recognize that name? But I can't. I I recognize the name, but, but I can't I tell you anything I've seen her in. But then I realized that he's actually married to Anne Bancroft. Oh, I know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Th- this she was married to to Mel Brooks until 2005, <laughs> until the next year. Yeah, and and it's because she died. Oh, oh, oh! I, <laughs> yeah, till death. I didn't part. see that. Yeah. I didn't see that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, wow! <laughs> I, I had no idea that he had a famous wife. Um, but she uh, has received uh, an Academy Award, three Baftas, two Golden Globes, two Tonys, two Emmys, and a Cannes Film Festival Award. She's one of only 24 thespians to achieve the Triple Crown of Acting which is an Academy Award, an Emmy, and a Tony. Um, and I guess if she'd gotten a Grammy, she would have gotten. She would have been on an even smaller list of the, um, the the EGOTs. But but yeah, I mean, she just yeah, she just was act just one of those you know great actresses from the golden age up through. Oh, she did an episode of The Simpsons uh, up through. This was her last her last credited performance was playing herself in this episode wow. of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, man, I don't even know what she. What got the um? Let me see. The Elephant Man, to be or not to be. GI Jane, she was in. Ninety eight, Great Expectations. I think I do remember that. Oh, The Graduate. Oh my God, she's in The Graduate. Okay, I love that movie. I forgot that was Anne Bancroft who played uh, the mom in that. That he has the uh, the affair with. Man, mm-hmm. I, I love that movie too. Uh, yeah. So just just one of those uh, great all time actresses, but married to Mel Brooks. And um, how about? Like Mel Brooks, like shitting on the American Midwest. He's like, no more hotels in Cleveland. No more waking up in dirty beds in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Mel Brooks, you just made an enemy <laughs> for life. <laughs> How dare you denigrate a steel city like that? But yeah, he's he's purposefully ruining the producers so he can focus on anything else. And intermission. So they're they're toasting to their failure. So it very much is a producer style storyline where. Mel Brooks was tanking. He was trying to have a failure on purpose. And if I'm not mistaken, much of this from my memory of seeing the musical version, the movie, and the original movie that the musical is based on, a lot of this is taken directly from scenes in the producers. That's fun. So like the two guys with one drunk at the bar and then the crowd (laughs) coming in and them like kind of hiding their faces and the crowd is raving 
about. Oh my god, yeah. And like they're just like very like happy, like generically happy at, yes. at the beginning. And then we hear Mel Brooks saying, Well, hang on, there's a lot of shows going. A very Mel Brooks line. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. Mel Brooks line. Hang on, we don't know what show they're talking about. There's a lot of shows going on. Wow, Larry David is so good <laughs> in the producers. I'm like, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. I loved how, for how badly I think hamming, that's my favorite line of this episode. <laughs> wow, there's so many good lines. There's so many good lines, but I think that's my favorite, is like that exchange of like, I, like they go from happy to Mel saying, wait, hang on a second. And then, I, I feel like that's one of the lines from the producers. I feel like that's one of the lines that mimics it. But I love, for as how hammy and bad the ADR is, I love how... Like you were saying, generically and deliberately happy. They're like, if Larry David is half as good in the second half as the first, this show will run. Well, I love this line. The lady said, it'll run for another five years. I'm like, wow, lady, set your sights high. Five yeah. whole years. <laughs> five <laughs> years with Larry David. I don't know if Larry David's heart can keep up for another five years. Yeah, in this but also, role. why not say 50 years or it'll run as long as Cats <laughs> or Phantom? Or like, why set? I understand that like it had run four or five years at that point. So the woman was like, it'll double the, you know, it'll run just as long as it has already. But like, you know, say forever. It'll run forever. Yeah, why? Like, why say five like years? Like she said, it'll, it'll run for five years and then everyone will stop coming. Like, why? And, oh, and then know. that's it. Yeah, then that's it. Five years. That's all I'm giving it. It's so good. It'll only get five more years. Like, well, that's not a lot, you know, <laughs> even in Broadway terms. But uh, yeah, but I love how deliberately and, and hammy they are like, oh, this is the best show I've ever seen. Like they're really delivering <laughs> that with that level of enthusiasm. And so... And this I know is from the producers. It's it's a line that the Bloom character delivers. Uh, Gene Wilder and Matthew Broderick in the movies, like, no way out, no way out. And 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 I think Bloom has like a blanket that he rubs on himself or something like that, like a security blanket or something. Uh, I remember that being from. So Anne Bancroft is echoing that, no way out, uh, and the crowd loves it. And uh, we we get you know uh, the the last number. We get a lot of the producers, like they filmed. A shit ton of Larry yeah, in the producers. Did. Yeah. Like the whole opening, like the two opening numbers, opening night, and then the, the song about Bialystok once being a great producer. And then the very last song, like Leo and Bloom or whatever. Um, or whatever. Leo and uh, Max. Leo and Max. There you go. Leo Bloom, <laughs> I think. Leopold Bloom and Max Bialystok. Yeah. Leo yeah. and Max back on our backs or whatever. Um, yeah. They, like, so he did have to learn a lot of this. Uh, for these little montages and, and we get a good deal of it's almost like an ad you know almost like an advertisement for like come see the producers on broadway uh, and maybe it was kind of because they were going through a cast change like a real life cast change that larry david was not uh, a part of um and as the uh, as they take their bows uh for the curtain call larry sees cheryl in the audience and reminds her that he has one more hour but that's when frolic starts up but i found it odd that we don't get a payoff and i don't think we're yeah. going to yeah, there's no there's no payoff at all to that, um, unless it comes in season five, maybe. I mean, it's gonna have <laughs> to because this is it. I don't think like, it's gonna. <laughs> there wasn't a stinger that neither either of us missed, was there? Like a post credit sequence of like <laughs> of Larry I, like in I a don't bed think with somebody. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of disappointed by that because I mean, is it the fact that like, oh, that's the only thing on Larry's mind is he has one more hour, not that he just like completed something that only a handful of people on earth will ever do. And that's, you know, just completely nail the opening night of a Broadway production or what, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, we're just never going to get any closure on that, I guess, except that 
that he didn't go through with it. I don't know. Um, I yeah, I guess that's just probably where it dies. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there we go. That's the end of the episode. Oh right. Uh, what do we got for homework this week? Uh, just a couple of of the posthumous cameos to talk about: <laughs> Yvette Nicole Brown <laughs> and Zachary Levi. Okay. Yeah, what were they up to in two thousand four? Right, two thousand four. To, yeah, 2004. Okay. It, like yeah. to around that area, like maybe like a an 03 to an 05. Right, right. Type type of type of range. All right, what do you like for cover art this week? Um I, I think it's got to be something with although I pause the I had to pause it for a second and I paused it on a very funny scene where Larry is trying to I just captured Larry trying to see inside David Swimmer's room and he had a very funny look on his face. But I think you just have to pick something with him on stage, you know, like maybe even the the curtain call or something or mm, just him yeah. on stage with David Swimmer or with as many people as, as you can get. Yeah, it's got to be. All right. Uh, let's see what we can do about this week's description. All right. So we had in the season four finale, okay. Larry opens in the producers on Broadway. And that's okay. it. <laughs> Larry opens in the producers on Broadway. 59 minutes, and that's all, right. all we have. I mean, is it something like, while trying to claim his 10th anniversary gift, Larry opens and the producer's on Broadway? See, I, I was I was going to go that exact route. I was going to say something like, with time running out for Larry to cash in his 10th anniversary gift, the producer's opens up on Broadway, or maybe time is running out for both Larry to use his 10th anniversary gift and until the producer's opens on Broadway. That one's a little clunky. Yeah. I mean, you could even, like, time is running out. You could shorten to three days. Three days remain until... Larry Larry has three days to claim his anniversary present and, you know, perfect and has three days... Well, uh, you could say Larry has three days until his anniversary present expires and the producers opens. Larry has three days until... The producers opens on Broadway and his 10th anniversary gift expires. I I, I like that. Something, yeah, something little, like that. Something like that, maybe. How about, all right, with three days left, Larry... See, I feel like we're making it longer. You know, I feel like, okay, with three days left, Larry attempts to claim his 10th... You know, attempts to claim his 10th anniversary gift and open the producer... No, I, I don't like that. I claim almost his think, 10th I mean, anniversary gift as the producers opens on Broadway. Yeah, I mean, I think that's... I don't even know if you need to bring time into it. I think it's like... Larry tries to claim his 10th anniversary gift as the producers opens on Broadway. Yeah, I think that's fine. There we go. We got there eventually. Yes. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) All right, Tim, did you like this episode? I did. I think I have to give it a star. It was a great. Okay. It was a great finale, and I everything in me wants to not do it because, I, like, then I'll have to, a hard decision to make when we talk about our favorite episodes. But like, it was just too funny, and we got some cringe humor that, like, I feel it's like the some of the best that that we've gotten in this whole series. Um, because I was like feeling the cringe when Larry was like blowing it on stage and trying to salvage <laughs> it with his horrible riffs about blowing air. Do you ever do this? like punching air out of his mouth or whatever like you ever play this game like that's not a game what are you talking about um and and so i feel like that's something curb you know is is maybe growing into that i feel like it was known for like larry just being so cringy and and um and i got some good laughs and and it it tied up as many storylines as it could and it had a great twist in it uh so yeah i mean i just i have to give it a star what about you um i also have to give this a star i I think 
I think this was an incredible episode. And I mean, here's the thing. I started this episode. I started this uh, this record of us talking about this. Uh, you probably picked up on this. I didn't know how long this episode was. Yeah. Time flew by uh, whenever I yes. watched this episode. An hour went by and I thought it was a 30-minute episode. Yeah. I, I, I still thought it was a 30-minute episode. There was no part in, when I was watching the episode. I was thinking, God, this is so long. No, I looked at my phone as Frolic was playing at the end thinking, what the fuck happened? <laughs> I thought this was a half an hour. <laughs> like, yeah. n- no part of my brain thought, oh, the episode was longer than you thought it was. No, my brain thought, oh, you started it later than you thought you did. <laughs> yeah, n- no fat to trim in, in almost 59 straight minutes. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I've got to I've got to give it a start. And it's it's high up on my list. Yeah, of, yeah uh, I feel like it might episodes. be. I know as I was watching it, I'm like, God, I can't. I don't think this deserves the double star. I'm like, I don't know if I to to overtake your to best overtake, of the series so yes, far. Yes, I don't. I don't. Wow. But, it, but it's up. But I, I agree, it's up there. It's close. It is. Well, since uh, since this is the season four finale, do you want to do best episodes of season four, our our top episodes of season four, or do you want to save that for the beginning of season five? What what's your take? Because I would have to run and go get my other book, which is just over. It's just over <laughs> in the next room, so that's not a huge problem. Um, but that's where that's where the bulk of this season is. Um, we'll, we'll we'll save it till season. Okay, five. We'll save yeah, it this till is, season five. This is already a supersized episode <laughs> for us too. I had a feeling that with an hour to talk about of the actual episode, that yeah, that that's good. Yeah, all right. So it's, I'm gonna it's, write it's that. Ar- down it's already too. lunchtime for you, and we start this yeah. soundly in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So all right. <laughs> I'll remind myself though to have it uh, before next next episode. That's okay. one of my notes. All right. Well, uh, I know it's. Next I mean, week. I can tell you one and two is probably carpool and opening night. Spoiler alert for anybody mm. who was mm. you know betting on okay. it or something. But yeah, I think that's. It's just a question about what's number three. That I'm in that same boat. I uh, I it's it's gonna be tough for me to determine what's number three. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Place what, your, what, now what, you can place what gets your bets. The, bro- the the real fight of season four is gonna be who gets the bronze medal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, next week, we've got Season 5, Episode 1, The Larry David Sandwich. Original air date, September 25th, 2005. Wow. Uh, a little over a year later, so uh, we're getting back to that uh, that normal uh, release schedule, it, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are looking at TV Guide that night, you're going to see in the Season 5 premiere, <laughs> Larry is changed by a near-death experience, a revelation... And a sandwich. I love it. I love the the tease. I don't know what it's about, but it's it sounds like one that we would write. <laughs> it really does. It may even be it? better than one that we would write. Honestly, I don't know if we, <laughs> we come may up not with be able to make it better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but it's it's got the goofiness of like and a sandwich that we would definitely shoehorn like, in. Yeah, like what? A near death <laughs> experience and a sandwich. Um. So all right. <laughs> It, it uh, and judging by the uh, cover art that HBO Max has chosen, it looks like we are not in New York anymore. It looks like we're back yeah, in LA. Is it, that what yeah, <laughs> J- judging by the cover art, it looks like Larry and Jeff are golfing. I can't wait to find out <laughs> if they even mention that Larry David starred in a Broadway show for at least one performance. I can't wait to find out if it's even alluded to what happened, why we're back in LA. I don't even know if I take the over under on on whether it is going to be or not. <laughs> like you would expect it to be, but. That's not with every show. Um, you know, Curb is not that kind of show. So, all right. Th- is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.